Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Okay, like some real gems, and, and you know these gems really well. And so what I thought we could do, just to like get more into, into the book, is I've designed the Philippian Challenge. Do-do-do-do. Okay. What is the Philippian challenge? The Philippian challenge is this, all right? It's a page of all the famous scriptures in this book, okay? The ones that we know. Um, and I'm going to put a challenge out there to 10 people this morning to take up this, 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 this page and learn these scriptures off by heart. And then in our last message, we're going to have a scripture off. What is it? A stand off, a dance off, a scripture off, all right? Where, <laughs> where, 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 where the winner will receive a prize, okay? And so I'm looking for 10 people this morning, 10 brave individuals who will say, you know what, I'm going to take the Philippian challenge. We have one over here, ladies and gentlemen, one going, one, one going, one We have two. We have one over there. I see another hand over there. Why you put that down to him? I see another hand over there. I only see anyone else. Come on. I'm only the first 10. Otherwise, it's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have seven left, seven left, seven left. One, two, three, four. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. Are you guys going to remember all these people? Tzachang, come. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you out. I'm not going to leave you out. I won't. There you go. Okay, Tzachang is in. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have three left. Three left. Who's three hands? I think there was only like, I think, how many girls? Two girls? Come on, this is Women's Month. I needed some more girls here. Teen. Oh, there we go. Bonolo. Okay. Why don't you give that to Bonolo? Last one. Last one going. To the man in the front. Good looking man in the front. Okay. So we have the Philippian challenge. We're going to put this out on, I'll put this out on the Facebook page as well. So if you who are not as courageous to participate in the challenge and do the scripture off, stand off, scripture, whatever, competition, then uh, you can learn the scriptures in your own personal quiet time as well. Um, but I would encourage you to do that, okay? So we're, we're the guys who, to, who, who took the challenge. Why don't you just stand to your feet? So, so we've got to remember who you are. We've got to remember who you are, okay? Everybody remember who they are, okay? Your job is to encourage them, okay? And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have that competition. Okay, take your seats. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Philippians. And um, we're going to just, the plan for today is really the same as last week. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to continue reading. And as we read, we're going to come to one of those famous scriptures again, and then we're just going to plant ourselves there, and then we're going to unpack it. Um, and you will know, you'll know that scripture when we get there. So we're going to read from verse 12, because we finished to verse 11 last time. So are you there? Are you ready? Our AV have even got it up there. Thank you, AV. All right, it says the following. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
So it's a really, Paul's looking at his circumstances, the, the fact that he's chained up, and he's saying, you know what, this is actually advancing the gospel. What the enemy meant for harm, God turns to the good. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So just to comment on that. So there were, there were people who were preaching, Paul says here, for selfish ambition. Some were doing it out of love, but some were doing it out of ambition and pride. And it was like, it was, it was bothering Paul. He was in chains. He couldn't get out there and sort them out, okay? But you, you, you know what I'm talking about. We, we kind of have that in the Christian world today. There are, you know, it's Jesus, but it's more like about me and my ministry and my something. It's selfish ambition and, and kind of, but the gospel's going, you know? <laughs> and, and so Paul's like, he's just highlighting that. It's say, he's saying it's something that it bothers him, but at least Christ is being preached. Okay, let's carry on. Verse 19. And then he goes on and he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Any sort of breakthrough you need is prayer and the Spirit of God. Right there. Okay. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Let's just push pause there for a moment. We haven't yet come to our scripture. Why, why, why is Paul like on this whole life-death story? You know, like, is he just being dramatic here? You know, like, whether by life or by death, you know, Christ will be, you know, is, is this, why, why is he being so dramatic in this moment? You know, well, he's, he's actually not being dramatic. Death is imminent for Paul. Okay? He, just to give you a little, let's just backtrack a little bit. He was on his third missionary journey. He arrives back in Jerusalem. And it kind of, this kind of the thing follows Paul wherever he goes. There's always like this mob riot. Okay? Wherever he goes, he's like the mob riot guy. Okay? People like rise up and they try and kill him. So in Jerusalem, he rides in Jerusalem. And once again, there's this big mob that tries to kill him. And so the Romans step in and they protect Paul and they protect him by putting him in jail and they put 470 soldiers to guard him. Okay. So this is, this is like a big deal. Now remember, you know, just a, a few years earlier, we've, we've had Stephen being stoned in Jerusalem. We've had Jesus being crucified, other martyrs as well. So, so the Romans are trying to keep the peace here. They don't want any more riots. They don't want any more drama. And so Paul is put in jail in Jerusalem, and he stays in jail for two whole years there, waiting trial. Nobody wants to touch him. Nobody wants to judge him. Nobody wants to, they're worried if they kill him, then everyone's going to riot. These people will riot. If they don't kill him, these people will riot. So he's hot property. So as long as he just doesn't have a trial, people are like, it's fine. He's locked up, you know? Um, but they can't release him on the streets because wherever he goes, mob riots come again. So eventually Paul's like, you know what? I'm not going to get a fair trial here. So he appeals to Caesar, because he was a Roman citizen. So because he was, he was both Jewish and a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal to basically the Supreme Court, which was in Rome. 
And, and so they were like, okay, great, go to Rome. <laughs> Not my problem anymore. So he get, they get on the ship, and he goes all the way to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, they realize, you know what, this guy is not a hooligan. This guy is not like a revolutionary, like bloodthirsty person. He, I mean, he's preaching love. He's preaching kindness. He's preaching Jesus. You know, like what? So, so they, they don't stick him in the prison with everybody else, okay? They give him house arrest, okay? So he gets his own, he's allowed to rent a house, but he's chained to a Roman centurion every day, okay? So he has this, basically, a bodyguard. Now, now, Paul looks at this whole situation, and he goes, you know what? I'm under house arrest. I'm allowed visitors. I can write letters to all the church, which eventually became the Bible, well, you know, three quarters of the New Testament. Um, I can see people every day. I can make disciples. And the, they keep changing this God who's attached to me every day. And I keep sharing the gospel with the new guy. And eventually, everybody, he goes back to the guy, and he tells people about Jesus. And then the guy comes back, and he says, oh, I heard about that Jesus. And he gets saved. And then he leads somebody else to the Lord. So Paul's sitting there, and he's going, guys, this is actually turning out for the furtherance of the gospel. I have my own personal bodyguard, no mob riots, and I can do what God's called me to do. Okay, So, <laughs> you know, this is just God. So then he's, we get an idea of this, okay? We get an idea of this when we go to the book of Acts and we see how the Dr. Luke recorded the events in Rome. This is in Acts 28. This is what the doctor records. And he says, uh, not that one, Acts 28. There, he abode two whole years in his own hired dwelling and received all that went in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, none forbidding him. So he had a very fruitful time in Rome. Okay? However, as fruitful as he was, he was awaiting trial and death. Sent, the, the capital punishment was imminent. Because Paul was preaching that Jesus is Lord and that he is king and that there is another kingdom and, and, and this king needs to be obeyed. Jesus can't just be like another statue that we put up on the, on the streets that Rome had. You know, they, they like worship this God and this God and they put all their gods up. So we can't just put Jesus there. No, no. Jesus demands that all those other ones have to go. That he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father but through him. So what he was preaching was offensive to the religion of the day, especially in those days that Caesar worship was, was actually like, um, it, was, it was commanded. Like you had to look at Caesar as Lord and call him Lord and, and, and give worship unto him and give praise unto him. And so, so because Paul was preaching Jesus, the death sentence was imminent. Okay, so here he is while he's waiting trial, the gospel is going on. But he, when he says these words, whether by life or by death, he really means it. He really means that like maybe tomorrow I could go to trial, Caesar won't like me, and then the next thing my head is chopped off. Okay, so he, so he knows his time is short. How, what would you do if you knew you had like three months to live? You know, so I think we would be a lot more fruitful with our lives if we lived like every day was our last. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, so we're seeing incredible fruitness coming, fruitfulness coming out of him. Why? Because this death sentence is hanging. It's right there. He knows any day can be his last day. Okay, so let's carry on reading. Let's go back to our letter, and let's read verse 21. And I want you all just to read this with me this morning. 
next one. Next one. Next one. Okay, let's go. Let's read it together. It says, For to me is to live Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Okay, this is where we're going to camp this morning. This is like what some people call a suitcase scripture. You've got to like unclip it, open it up, pull, all the, pull out. It's just packed with so much in there. But basically, I mean, what he's saying there is that my whole life is about Jesus. For me to live is Christ. And my aim is not this world. My aim is eternity. So to die, if I have to die tomorrow, right, it's gain. I gain. I win at the end of it. So his whole life is about Christ. His whole focus is eternity. Eternity matters to him more than the present. But he knows that as long as he stays in the body, what is his one ambition? To be fruitful. To be fruitful. So I kind of took this like this passage of scripture and I wrote a little poem. All right? And the poem goes like this. If you wouldn't mind putting it. So can we read it? It says, To live is Christ. To die is gain. Better to go fruitful if I remain. That's kind of like a little, just a little summary of what Paul said. Okay, can you say it again? I want to hear you say it. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Better. I think if, if, if like he had like WhatsApp or Facebook, this would be his status. What do you call that thing with your tag? What is it? Hashtag. Hashtag, you know? Hashtags or like his status update. If he could have printed t-shirts, like this would be like the, what he had prints on his t-shirt, I think. All right? This is kind of like his life motto, his, his, I don't know, his ambition, his goal in life. Can you say it again? To die. Better. What do you do with someone like this? I mean, this is like, this is determination on another level. I mean, this is serious focus. This guy, what words would you use to describe this? You would, you would, sold out, extreme, radical. Radical is a good word. Can you look at somebody and say radical this morning? This is radical. Okay. These, these words um, of Paul over here, all right, have inspired many people throughout history, all right, Through, throughout the, the church. They've inspired so many missionaries, two Moravian missionaries in particular. The one was a man called John Dober and his friend David Nietzsche, all right, two German Moravian people, young men, all right, in their, in their 20s, young, young, young guys. They looked at these words of Paul for me, to love is Christ, to die is gain, better to go, but fruitful if I... They looked at those words, and, and, when they, and, they, and those words really sunk into their heart, and they heard a report. They, they, they lived in this community. Um, John was a potter. David was a carpenter. Just average, normal guys who, who read these words, and they, and they heard a report coming from the West Indies, from someone who had traveled to the West Indies, 
that there was a British uh, landowner in the Windies who had 3,000 slaves. And this man was an atheist and wanted nothing to do with God. And he had decided that even if a missionary would, was to be shipwrecked and land on his island, he would put that missionary in a separate house, get him a boat, and get him out of there because he did not want the nonsense of the Bible coming into his island. Okay? Trying to protect what is his, actually. Because the Bible is dangerous, yeah? Um, and so... Anyway, so this was his attitude. John Dober and David Nietzsche, they heard about this guy. And they were like, there are 3,000 slaves on this island who are destined to live and die and never hear the gospel because of this man. What are we going to do about that? And they prayed about it. And they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell ourselves as slaves. If they won't take missionaries, then we will just go and become slaves. And we'll give up all our rights, and then we will live and work as slaves, and we'll be amongst the slaves, and, and live and, and eat with the slaves, and work with the slaves, and, and be slaves, and then we could share the gospel every single day with them, and he wouldn't even know about it. <laughs> wait, wait, I need two men in your 20s. Two men, young men, come on, come on. Where's two young men in your 20s? Malanga, sit down. <laughs> sit down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Two young men in your 20s. Let's, let's just stand to your feet. Come on. Be bold. Okay, there we go. Enter yeah. you still in your 20s, eh? <laughs> Almost out. <laughs> come, Colade, come. Come, 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 come. Okay, so I want, I want you just to imagine this for a moment. Come, come stand over here in faith. Look at these handsome men. Married, not, just so everyone knows, okay? <laughs> just um, yeah, with checks is the... What? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is in charge in this church, eh? I mean, like, look at that, you know? <laughs> that was not planned, just so you know, okay? There's a message here. What is it? <laughs> so, so anyway, so we have to imagine these guys. This is, they live in our community. We know these guys. Okay, young, professionals, working guys, okay? They decide, these two guys decide to go... And sell themselves as slaves and give their lives. We know that they're not going to come back. We know they're not going to come back. What, what, how do we feel about that as a community today? Let's fast forward the time clock and say they're actually going to the Middle East to an ISIS-dominated territory where their, exist, their survival is close to zero. You know? how, how do we feel right now? Champ, don't go. You've got so much to live for. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You know what, Kaladi, you could be getting married soon. <laughs> you know, how do we feel? We, we feel it's foolish. Let's be honest. Come on. We'd be foolish. All right, take your seat. Oh, wait, no, no, stay here for a second. So the community that sends them, all right, the community that sends them, celebrate this. The community that celebrate. They get on a ship and they hold hands. Why do you hold hands? Okay. Just, and they lift up their hands while they're on the ship. And as they're about to sail off, they say these words. A.V., if you wouldn't mind just putting the, the next thing up. This, they say this. Can you guys say that out loud? You two, go for it. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And off they go. 
they were, the community that sent them was so inspired that by these words that these words then became the motto by which the Moravians lived by. And from that was birthed one of the biggest mission movements in the world where hundreds of Moravians who saw the sacrifice of these two guys packed their bags and went to the far corners of the earth, even here in South Africa, China, you name it, wherever. They went all over the world. Some of them even packed their clothes in coffins because they knew they weren't going to come back. They were prepared to die for their faith. Give them a hand. You can take your seats. So... How radical is that? So Paul wrote those words, and it inspired John and David to really do something radical for Jesus as well. And then those Moravian missions then inspired another whole generation, and you had people like Hudson Taylor. Avi, if you wouldn't mind putting up the, the quote by Hudson Taylor, he said the following, If I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all for China. John Faulkner said, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Now, there's something in us this morning that, can, can you feel this, the moment in the room? <laughs> how, how do you feel uncomfortable right now? What do you, what, what, what is this that we're feeling right now? I think a lot of us, we, we look at these words and we marvel at these guys. We marvel at Paul, who's facing his death sentence, who stood up for Christ boldly in his generation. We marvel at David and John. We marvel at Hudson Taylor and, and Mr. Faulkner. And, and we look at their lives and there's something that, that's in us that knows these guys have got something. I don't know what it is. It's a revelation. It's a courage. It's a focus. It's an obedience. It's a, there's something that these guys have got. And there's something inside of us that tells us that it's right. That something, that something about this gospel actually is makes what they're doing, something, there's something worthy about this gospel that makes what they're doing seem good and right and necessary and, and important and, yeah, and all of that. And the question I have for us this morning is, is it possible for us to have what they had but still do what we do. You know, do, 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 we, do we all have to they go sell everything and put our clothes in coffins and, and travel off to far distant lands in order for us to say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, better to go, but fruitful if I remain. Do, do we have to do that, what they did, in order to, to say those words? Or can we live right where we are doing the jobs that we do, living the lives that we live, and still be able to say those words, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think that's really the heart of what I want to go after this morning. I know, I believe we can. I believe we can. I know that some of us here are called to go to the ends of the earth. Okay? 
And, um, and, and, and we celebrate that. Okay? Like the Moravians, we, we celebrate that. And I think every single one of us in this room should be open to the Lord should He want us to do that. Can I hear one amen? Good for you. How many of you have been to the prayer room and seen that, that, that wall that we have of the most unreached people groups um, up there? I mean, that wall breaks me. I, I feel like it's really hard for me to even go look at that wall. Um, because when you go look at it, you'll see a hundred people groups around the world of the most unreached people in the world where they have 2% or less Christian. And you'll go through each group and you'll be like the Uzbek and Uzbekistan, they're 28 million and 0.0% Christian. The, the Japanese, they are whatever, 40 million and like under 1%, you know, Christian. And you go through all these, and they're all like 28 million, 15 million, 17 million, 9 million, 9, all these millions, 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 and percent Christian, 0, 0. 0.1, 0.7, 0. you know, so... I want you to know that the job is big in the world. And if anything, we need a generation who, who have these words of Paul and the Moravians, Moravians in our hearts. And we're, we're ready to go. Should Jesus want us to go to these nations that we, we will go? Amen? And I think every single one of us in this room should be open to that. Okay? However... A lot of us are called to stay and to be in this city and to be accountants and to be teachers and to be students and to be moms and to be dads and to, you know, live our lives here. And the question is, can we still say those words and still remain here? Well, I believe we can. And the reason why I say that is because these words are not just for missionaries who give their lives and go to the ends of the earth. These words that Paul spoke are the Christian life. Jesus said this. He said, if any man wishes to come after me, he needs to deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Jesus said, if any man loves mother, brother, sister, family member, whatever, more than me, he's not worthy of me. He said, if any man puts his hands to the plow and turns back, he is not worthy of the kingdom. Paul said this, I'm convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died so that those who live might not live for themselves, but for him who gave his life for them. He said, do you not know that you are not your own, that you have been bought at a price? And so I want you to know this morning that these words, to live for Christ and to die is gain, are not the words that our missionaries need to have. Those guys who go to the ends of the world, these are the words of Jesus. This is the calling to be a Christian. This is the calling on every single one of us, no matter where we find ourselves in this world. Over and over in the scriptures, we are told that becoming more, we, the Christian walk is one where we become progressively more and more about Jesus and less and less about ourselves and more and more about eternity and less and less about this world that we're living in right now. 
That, my friends, is the Christian calling. That is what God, that's what we're called to. I mean, that is like, that's what we're aiming at. That, that's, that's, the, that's what's in front of us, that we would become more and more like Christ and more and more about eternity. You know, in many ways, I think that um, it might actually be easier just to be a missionary and go to the ends of the earth than to live that out right here. Why? Well, at least when, you know, when you're a missionary, you, you, you leave. You leave all of this and you, and you go and you're on mission and you know you're on mission. We forget we're on mission. We, we don't remember that we, we actually are missionaries for God. That we're supposed to be living lives on mission. Them it's a lot easier. They know they're not at home. They're not in their normal routines. They're, they're out there. They're, they are missionaries. And out there, there are no malls. And there are no adverts for fancy holidays. And there's no Netflix. And, you know, the Joneses are not there showing you what you're missing out on. And food is not in so much abundance. It's not like, you know, Nando's on every corner. And KFC here and there. Your extended family and all their drama. Woo! We're free. No more aunties and uncles showing up on the weekend. Praise, you know, God and all their drama. And I have to sort out all their drama. There's no job there out there on the mission field like I have here, which demands 12 hours of me every single day. And then I have deadlines and work I have to turn out on the weekend and bosses, you know, who are just unreasonable. And, you know, and, and there's no schools out there where, you know, you, you're running around from one extra mural to the other. They're keeping parents at school played this night, then money for stationery. And then you've got to be at the thing on Saturday. And then, you know, on Monday, there's an, a test and an exam and a project for this week. And that, that there you can just focus on the mission. But right here, man, we are laden with distractions and stuff. And, and we have, we, right here, we have to, we have to you know, we, we have to balance honoring the Lord but honoring our boss at the same time, you know. Building a home that's healthy and unto the Lord, but also honoring the Lord's house at the same time. We, we're the ones who have to balance kids and ministry and work and evangelism as well as a job the next morning. And you're out on the streets the night before, but then, you know, you've you got worship practice later on. And then you have to get your project out. And, and, and then your kids are asking you to spend time with it. You know, we're the ones that have to juggle all these things and still be missionaries. For Jesus Christ. In many ways it's harder. You know they, they do. Face physical death. And persecution. You know we honor them for that. But we also have a serious battle on our hands. Jesus said, described our battle as this. In, in Mark 4. If you want to mind putting that up. It's, he said this. The cares and the anxieties of this world. The distractions of the age. The pleasure. Delight. And false glamour, the deceitfulness of riches, the craving and passionate desire for other things. All these creep in. Can you say creep in? They are. They're creepers. They're creepers. How many, of you, how many gardeners do we have here today? You know, I've got a creeper. And, this, and they're creepers. They shoot out these like, these, what are they, scouts, you know, spies. And <laughs> these like long green shoots, they come out and they like, they go hunting and they find something and then they, they wrap around it. They wrap around and then next thing you've got like the bush, everything is there. 
you know. Jesus is saying these things are like creepers. The cares, anxieties, they creep into our faith. They creep into our walk with God. The pleasure, delight for things, you know. We so want to live for Jesus. And then the next thing is like, oh, there's this exciting thing to do. And there's this pleasurable thing over here. And then they creep in and then they start to gather momentum in our lives. And they, what they do, Jesus said, they suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. This is our challenge. We're the urban missionaries. We're, we're, we're not out on the front lines, but our, and the, our battle is just as big as theirs. We have to produce fruit right here in the midst of all of this that's going on. And not only that, we face a secular world. I mean, you think about the world we, look, that the world we live in right now. There is no room for God in the world we live in. I mean, it's secular like anything. Like, you know, you, you're welcome to be here, but just don't, don't just, don't say anything like Jesus is the only way or I'll pray for you or can we have a prayer meeting or just don't, don't rock the boat in any way. So this, this world, we tolerate every faith, but you just keep your faith like to yourself, man. I mean, I think about Israel Falau, the Australian rugby player who, who has been fired from the Australian rugby team. Secretly, like, you know, he's really good. So I'm like, that means he doesn't play. But I'm obviously, you know, I want him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Israel's Palau's not in the Australian rugby team. He's been fired because of his faith. Oh. Because he stood up and said, you know, I don't believe in, her, in same-sex marriage. And I, and, I, and I believe what the Bible says, that homosexuality is a sin. So he, he, he put that out. He stood up for his faith and he shared that and he got fired from his job. So they were there because they, they won't tolerate that in the, in the secular society that he lives in. And so now he's going into a court case and, and, and I'm, I'm watching and, and, and we're praying for him. But what a, what a, what a legend. What a, he, to li- for me to live is Christ. To lose my job, whatever. Rewards in heaven. My ga- gain is up there, not here. Okay? So what am I trying to say? Well, so often we take that scripture. Can you repeat it for me again this morning? To live, to die is gain. Better to go, fruitful if I remain. We, we take that scripture, and you know what we do with it? We look at it as that's Paul, that's Hudson Taylor, those are those missionaries. Those are those guys that are like, you know, they're out of here. They're off to the ends of the earth and we celebrate them and we, we fund them and we like, that's what they do, but I'm called to do what I do. You know, it's, I don't do what they do. And what we fail to realize is that those words are not the words of missionaries on the front line. Those are the words for every Christian. This is what Christ has called us for. He's called us to live for him not for ourselves not for our next bestie our next cool thing our next exciting whatever I, we we are called to live for him we are called to have our eyes on eternity and that's where our focus is paul wrote this letter to encourage the philippians in this he didn't write it to say i'm such 
a good Christian. Look at me. You know, look how I've got it together. Look how brave I am. Look how for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. No, he was writing it to encourage these guys who were also urban missionaries who had to live for Christ right in the midst of their city. And he was writing, he was writing it to encourage them and say, this is our disposition. He wasn't saying this is me. He was saying this is, this is us. This is how we need to think, guys. Follow me as I follow Christ. And in chapter 2, he writes these encouraging words, A.V., um, verse 15. It says that you would be children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Can you read that scripture? Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's our calling, people. That's what it means to live for Christ. It means you you live in the midst of all the challenges and all the juggles, but somehow we we take this word and and we allow it to sink into our hearts and and slowly and progressively we start to shape our existence. So it's not about me, but it's about Him. It's not about this world that I'm aiming at, but it's about that world up there. And in the midst in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of hassles, in the midst of burdens, that we still live for Christ. So how do we, how do we, how do we get there? Wayne, how, what, is, what is, like, how do we get this thing into us? Well, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a missionary and you're going to like, you're going to go from here and pack your bags and go take one of those lost people groups and go live in them and, and win them to Christ. There's a couple things, there's two attitudes that you really have to have before you go. And then there's one skill that you need as well. And, you know, I was looking at that. There's two attitudes they need and there's one skill. And I want to share those with you this morning. Why? Because we're urban missionaries. And we need those things as much as they do. And the gospel is not for a select few out there to do, but it's for us to do as well. It's for us to be fruitful with it right here where we're at. Thank you. Amen. So what are those two attitudes that they have? Well, the first one is sacrifice. (laughs) You know, if you're going to go to a foreign land and be a missionary in a foreign that you, one thing you got to have is you've got to have sacrifice down. You've got to, you, you, you leaving the comfort of your home and your neighborhood and your friends and your family and all the stuff that you know, the, the society, the language, the, the Nandos, the, the, the spa down the road, you, all those things that are so nice to us. <laughs> Bali's nodding your head. You know, like, aren't you happy to be home and have Nandos again? You know, I mean, I remember when we were on mission trip in Malawi, like, man, the food, we were struggling. And then we drive into Blantai, and there was this shop right. It was literally glowing with the glory of God. We were like, <laughs> we were like, you know, <laughs> something familiar, something we know, you know, products that we're like, oh, look at this. It's a super move. <laughs> I'll take two. <laughs> you know, the, you, the sacrifice is something that you need to have down if you're going to go. Sacrifice is the core of the gospel. You know, Peter, James, John, they left their nets to follow Jesus. Matthew left his tax table and life of double standards. They left, they sacrificed 
to follow Jesus. And the only difference between missionaries and us is that we have to do it every single day when they had to do it once off. They had to get, get on a plane and go once off, it's done. They made that sacrifice, they moved on. But for you and me, we've got to make it every single day. We have to leave the comfort of the couch. We have to leave the comfort of our cir- friendship circles, our Saturday routines, don't touch my Saturdays, you know, that whole fence we build around our, our, you know, and we have to sacrifice in order to be fruitful for Christ. I want you to know that the gospel doesn't advance without sacrifice. God had to sacrifice His Son for us to be saved. It's going to take a sacrifice from some of us to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just... I'm going to do this for Christ in order for somebody else to be saved. I'm going to give. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to befriend. I'm going to invite. I'm going to share. I'm going to, I'm going to do something that's not about me. It's a sacrifice that I will make so that somebody else can hear the gospel. It requires sacrifice. You know, I, 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 I remember this conversation I had quite a while back with this one guy who who was just coming into the king. I mean, he was literally just, just got saved. Like, just, okay, okay, I, I realize I'm a sinner. I'm, you know, Jesus, I got it. I accept Jesus. And then he looks at me and he says, now, does this mean I have to go to church every Sunday? <laughs> so I said to him, no, bro. And he was like, but can I tell you what it does mean? It means you have to live for Christ. And I don't know how you do that without being part of a local congregation where you are participating as an active member of the body of Christ. You see, the standard is not Sunday morning. The standard is Christ. To live for Christ. You know, we can't have this like, oh, it's it's a 10%, 12% gross net. Is it what? what No, that's not the standard. The standard is to live for Christ. He's the standard. He's the goal. He's what we're aiming at. Not like, oh, what do we have to tick, 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 you know? Sacrifice every single day in order to live for Christ. What's the next thing that missionaries need? Well, they need depth. What do I mean by depth? You know, if you're going to go to the foreign, foreign fields and, and frontline mission field, one thing you've got to have is depth of revelation. You have got to have... You have, just, you have got to know the meaning of that cross. You've got to understand the sacrifice of the gospel. You've got, to, you've got to know just where you were and where you were destined to go had not Christ stepped in. You know, Paul, I mean, you read his letters, you, there's depth of understanding there. He, he says things like, I, I'm the worst. I was an insolent man. I, I was not worthy. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I'm the least of the apostles. And then he would say things like, the love of God, which is so wide, so far, so high, so deep. He, he understood his depravity and need for the gospel. He understood the magnitude of God's love and where they collided on the cross. And he owned that in, in the depth of his soul. And if, if, if we, you know, if you're going to go to the foreign fields, you've you got to have depth in you. You've got to know that, like, heaven really is your home. You've got to really know what Jesus actually did for you on that cross. You've got to know that His love for you. You've got to be acquainted with the power of the Holy Spirit 
Because let me tell you something, when you get there, you're going to need to, to walk in the power of that Holy Spirit. But my question is, if they need that, don't we need it too, considering the battles in the world we face as well? We, we've also got to have a depth to us, people. You know, the world, you know, you know what they say sometimes, in the church today, it's like we're a mile wide but an inch deep. And it's true, you know, these pigeons, you know, it's true like that the church today, we, we're so happy with fortune cookie Christianity, where it's like just we hear a nice thing and a nice word that tickles our ears and da 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 and then we, get, we you know, we just, oh, it's nice and it's nice, but it's, it's so surface that, you know, like if a trial comes and difficulty comes and the thing that we like really trust in God for doesn't happen in our lives, well, then we give up on God. You know, it's like, it's not long before, it's like, what is this church? What is this thing, you know? Oh, somebody hurt me in the church. Now suddenly it's like, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. This is not, you know? It's, it's just surface level. We've got to be so deep that come what may, tonight you'll find me worshiping Him. Come what may, whether I lose my life, my car, my home, my friends, my persecution, whatever. Come what may in this life, I'm, I'm, I'm still about Him. There's a, there's a depth to my soul. And people, I want to say this, that revelation only comes through rumination. What do I mean by that? Well, the depth that we, what we need only comes by ruminate, taking time to ruminate, taking time to get past head knowledge and get the stuff into our hearts. Which means, you know, you know like a, a cow ruminates. He chews, he swallows, burps it back up, Chews, swallows. It's disgusting, you know. <laughs> it's the process of rumination. It's this process, and the Bible calls it meditation. Okay, and and so we we if we're going to be deep, we've got to recover a depth in our in our devotions. We've got to recover a depth in in the Word and our ability to meditate on the Word. You know, we live in a world where, you know, the SMSs are coming through first thing in the morning. The WhatsApp groups are beeping. And then the day starts. And it's like, it's coffee. It's out the door. It's kids. It's bagpacks. It's like, whoosh. And then we come back home at night. And it's like, oh, I'm finished. And we tie. And we, we actually live surface. We're just living surface, surface, surface. We've got to take time to get out of surface mentality and get into where we're living from our hearts. Where we're, where we're not just like on the roller coaster of life, ah, you know, up, down, up, down, this way, this way, this way. But, there's, but we're living from a place where I can see an opportunity for the gospel. I can, I can see God in my office environment. I can see the Lord leading me. I can feel, I know His voice, He's leading me. To do this, I, I can, he can tell me to give somebody a call. There's a, there's the spirit of the God is deep in me, man, and I'm, and I'm living unto Him. You know, I'm not just caught up on the roller coaster of life. Depth of soul. You know, when I was in India, man, I learned the value of spiritual disciplines very quick, <laughs> very quick. I mean, we arrived in Durga. You know, like massive Hindu festival. Walk out of our hotel onto the streets. Idols, two stories high, being dragged down the streets. People, you know, pretty much naked, covering themselves with red and dancing and throwing flowers at these idols and food at these idols. All are millions of people all around. And you're like, where am I? You know, and, and, and I'm like, what, what's your reaction? Pray, man. 
pray, where's, where, you know, if you out there on the front line, you're not going to make it. You know, I can't tell you what I went through that night. You know, my wife, I was texting her. The, the demonic, the attack was radical, man. But, let's, but guys, let's get this into our minds. Right? It's here too. It's here too. Come on, the, the battle is in your office place. The battle is in your, in your, in your schools. The battle is, is here. It's, it's, in the, it's around us every single day. You know, and so and we've, got to, we've got to be deep, man. We've got to be spirit-led. We've got to be sharp. We've got to be switched on. We've got to move with the Spirit of God. If we're going to be mo- modern urban missionaries, nudge somebody this morning and say, you're an urban missionary. Nudge them. Come and tell them. You're an urban missionary. You're not out there in the front line. You are right here. You, your goal is to live for Christ right here. Amen. Last point, a skill that they all need. If you're going to the front lines, sacrifice, depth. The third thing, uh, the skill that they need is the ability to build gospel bridges. The ability to build gospel bridges. What do I mean by that? Oh, there was something. Anyway, what do I mean by that? Well, their, their job, right, when you're on the front lines, is you've got to know you're going into a particular culture, and you've got to understand that culture, and then you've got to look at how you can build a bridge from that culture to the gospel, something that's go, it's going to be easy for people to travel over. You know, so, so you've, you've got to make a way, you've got to present Christ in such a way that people are going to find that they can actually come to Christ and not, you know. So your goal is to build bridges between the gospel and culture and be skilled at it. As a, as a, as a, as a frontline missionary, you study that culture, you understand that culture, you get smart about that culture, you, under, you, you know what you've got to do, and then you build bridges so that you are impactful and you are fruitful there. I want to say, guys, as urban missionaries, we've got to know how to build gospel bridges right here as well. How do we get that atheist guy in our workplace to find Jesus? What, what is it that's going to crack, crack him? You know, what, what, how, what, is it a book? What, what sort of prayer vigil do I need? What, what, what sort of thing do I need to invite him to, her to? Do, can I bring her to the, to the women's event on Friday? What, what can I bring him to Connect Group? What, what can I do to build a bridge? Maybe I just need to show love and kindness and friendship and lavish it on them. And then at the right moment, look for the opportunity to share the gospel. You know, my, my barber is from Pakistan. Any Pakis this morning? Pakistanis? No. He's from, he's from Pakistan. So I was chatting to him. And the last time I was chatting with him, he was a Muslim guy. And, and now he... You know, we, he was open to hear, so I started to share a little bit of what I do, and and he was like very interested with it. So what I've done is I've gone and printed the gospel in in his language, and now I'm looking forward to my next appointment. I'm like I'm going to bring it out, and I'm going to ask him to read it in his language to me, and then we uh, hopefully we're going to have a conversation. What am I doing? I'm just looking for a bridge, something that can see this guy. You know, what if he gets saved and then, and then the other guys get saved in the shop? You know what I mean? And then we see a little bit of a, you know, the gospel move of God. But we, we've got to be smart like that. We've got to look for, like, what is the way into people's hearts? If we're going to be urban missionaries, we need to have sacrifice down. And it might not mean going to a foreign nation, but it might not mean sitting on the, it might mean not sitting on the couch 
and more binging on another series, but actually being fruitful for the Lord. Amen? It means we've got to be deep, guys. We've got to go deep into the Lord. And it means we've got to build gospel bridges. Can we, can we stand to our feet? I'm done this morning. I want us to finish off by saying those, those words again. That little poem that I wrote, which is... Let's say it nice and loud together this morning. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Better to go fruitful if I remain. Say it again. Come on. Can I, can I ask you to do something? Can you turn to somebody next to you this morning and just share with them what, what part of being an urban missionary do you find challenging this morning? And what did you get out of this message that's going to help you be an urban missionary? Come on. Let's just take a moment. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.